Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Consulting with Authority. This is Scott Cantrell, and joining me is a dear friend and a colleague, Faith Lester. I'm going to introduce her shortly, but I have to tell you, I am super, super excited uh, that she has agreed and carved out time uh, to be on the podcast today, uh, but especially glad that she is joining me because um, she's a dear, dear close friend and has made a huge impact in my professional life as well as my personal life. She's become one of those lifelong friends that you meet through business. And I'm so, so excited to have her on the podcast. And I know that she's going to be sharing tremendous insight and value with all of you. Uh, Let me introduce her. Uh, Faith Lester is the founder, principal, and owner of Faith Forward Consulting, an operations HR and practice management consulting firm. And she's going to lay down some fantastic insight and content that I know you all will really benefit from. Faith, thank you so much for being on today. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's exciting to be here. Cool. Yeah, we're going to have a blast. Um, And Faith and I have known each other. How long has it been, Faith? About Uh, about seven, eight years now. Yeah, seven or eight years now. It's amazing how fast the time goes. Uh, Faith and I were both executives in a previous consulting firm that I co-founded a number of years ago. And, um, and now we both have our own practices and uh, we mastermind and collaborate together and it's, it's, it's a blast. So excited to have her on. Faith, let me begin at the beginning. Uh, you have an incredible uh, story of, of, first of all, we could have a whole separate travel podcast. You should have <laughs> yes. your own travel podcast, Faith. Faith has been all around the world. She could have her own travel podcast and I would listen to every episode. Um, so you can talk with some about that, but I want you to talk about your your incredible career and all, you know, just sort of touch on the different things that you've done over over your time in business and as a professional that's kind of brought you to where you are. Uh, that's a great question. And, and it's uh, it's way more years than I probably care to admit to. But, <laughs> um, you know, I started my, my career in healthcare. Um, I started uh, back in Mississippi in healthcare, working for uh, Catholic healthcare. That's where I've Ironically, that's where I began and ended my career in healthcare was Catholic healthcare. Um, and I started at the bottom. I started in the business office of um, St. Dominic Hospital in Jackson, Mississippi. Um, went on from there to work in various private practices. Um, eventually, I uh, worked my way up and made the decision that I wanted to live outside of Mississippi and made the move to Nashville, Tennessee. And I spent just about my entire healthcare career. Uh, with a very large medical surgical practice in the Nashville area, world-renowned practice, actually. Um, and that what became my home. I was very comfortable there. That's where I grew personally, professionally. Um, and I was very, very uh, excited and to be there as part of their organization. Um, and so after that, I, I moved into academia. I worked in academia healthcare for a while and then back to Catholic healthcare at the end of my healthcare career. Gotcha. Um, uh, several years ago, I made the decision to leave healthcare for a variety of reasons. Um, it was not the healthcare that I once loved. It became more of a um, administrative type mm-hmm. uh, world instead of uh, focusing on the patients. And I decided to move on and do other things. And uh, that's where I, I met uh, Scott. I became an executive in his firm and helped grow his firm over a few years. And then about three years ago, I started my own company. I decided that I had built up a a wealth of knowledge and it was time to share what I knew with others and build up my own firm. Yeah. 
That's phenomenal. And and I've just got to take a second and brag a little bit more uh, <laughs> because uh, Faith mentioned that when she joined uh, the previous consulting firm uh, that I was a part of, that she helped grow that firm. I will tell you, uh, bringing Faith on uh, to that team was an inflection point for that organization. Um, that organization would not have I'm not sure it would have it would have made it, <laughs> frankly. Uh, but putting that aside, it certainly would not have been as successful an endeavor as it became uh, without Faith uh, being there, uh, helming um, and nav- helping that firm navigate all the things it was navigating. So, thank you uh, for that. Number one, it was an experience. It was it was great experience because yeah. it's the first thing that I had really accomplished outside of healthcare. So. It was uncharted waters for me, but I loved it. I love the people I work with, the clients that I worked with. And I learned, basically, I was introduced to a whole nother demographic of um, type of professionals. Yeah, absolutely. And and um, I, uh, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this to you. I, I think I think I have. But the reality is, and it's one of the reasons I'm so excited to have you on this show, this podcast, is because for those years that we are working together in that firm, and even today, it hasn't really changed, Faith. There's so much mentorship that you've provided to me uh, in a professional capacity and a personal capacity as well, um, that your ability to communicate and see to see a problem and to immediately be able to diagnose it and then to think through how it can be uh, sol- solved or overcome is amazing. How fast you can do that, how effective you can do that. And I think that's an innate talent, but I also know that comes from years and years of experience working with every type of person, uh, good, bad, and different yes. uh, in between. And then uh, understanding that, you know, you, you retain that knowledge and you, you're, you're one of the most adept people I've ever seen at learning from what worked and what didn't work. Right. right. Um, and having an experience and then making sure if it was a good experience that you find out, why did that work? Let's repeat it. And if it was a bad experience, why did that not work? Let's not repeat it. Um, right. So at any rate, to that end, let's talk a little bit about um, uh, related to your own practice or or past business. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be just this new practice. But one of the places I always like to begin is, first of all, give us an overview of of what you do and the types of organizations you work with. And that'll give some perspective mm-hmm. and then we'll move on. We'll move on from there. Sure. I don't limit myself to any type of organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, naturally by default, you tend to gravitate towards uh, certain types of businesses, but I do operations, practice management, HR operations um, and things of that nature. Um, I gravitate or I have, as of late towards um, insurance. Um, a lot of my clients own their own brokerage firms. I work with a lot of academic institutions on the healthcare side. Um, and so that's kind of where I've niched myself. Um, I have clients that I do nothing but HR operations for. I have clients that I do primarily operations, yep. you know, building their business, um, finding solutions for their business, um, tag teaming with the owner to solve problems things of this nature. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So 
Over the last few years, you've been growing your own practice. And one of the most common challenges and issues that any independent consultant or professional coach or author or speaker, anybody who's wanting to provide their knowledge, their skill, their expertise, their service to another business, the most common challenge or issue seems to be, I need to be in front of more people. I need to grow my business. Describe uh, your experience related to that. Number one, mm-hmm. has that been a challenge for you in the past? And what have you seen in terms of the businesses you've been involved in, or now that you own your own business, what have you seen to be in, in, in your case, the things that have made the difference that have helped you move the needle in terms of acquiring new clients? I know this kind of speaks to your model and you purposefully only work with a handful of clients at any one time because mm-hmm. you're really focused on quality over quantity. So you can speak right. to that as well. Right. No, you're absolutely right. And, you know, as far as growing my own business, honestly, I've been so blessed that, you know, that I word of mouth just puts my name in other people's um, ear. And, you know, I get phone calls all the time. Um, I know on the academic side, that's exactly how it worked. I did not advertise. Um, one one just led to another and led to another. Before you knew it, I had several clients. And it's the same way on the operations side. And, you know, that's one thing that's that's very important in consulting, especially when you own your own business and, and you yourself are this company, is, you know, how you present yourself and, and the quality of your work is very important. It will reward you and it will hang you. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, and it's if you do good work for a client and you, you do all of your work with integrity um, and you follow the rules at all times, there's a huge payoff for that. And that payoff is you're going to have clients, more clients than you can ever imagine. Then, you know, to a point where you may not can even handle them all. Yeah. Um, regards to past clients, when I've worked mm-hmm. for other people um, in healthcare, um, you know, being one of the best surgical practices in the country, we never hurt it, never hurt for uh, for patients. Uh, sure. We had a, a you know normally had a four to six month waiting period just to get them in the door unless they were an urgent tumor. Yeah. Um, however, you know when you're in a, a business like that you and I were in, you know the the fundamentals and the foundation for for growing that business is service. Yeah, I, I, I just I can't speak enough about it. You know whether it's a patient or whether it's a client, it's service. Um, you know, how do, how you respect that, that client's time, how you, um, the type of information you provide for them, everything comes back to service, knowledge and service. And yep. if you take care of them, they're going to take care of you. I firmly believe that uh, it was that way in the business that you and I had together. Um, and it's pretty much that way in sole proprietorships as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it certainly echoes my experience. Uh, and, and what I'm hearing from you is the quality of your work and the quality of your service around or related to your work are really the keys to yes. keys to growth. You know, I, and you know who I'm about to mention, I interviewed Bill Cates uh, on the podcast um, uh, a number of episodes ago. And of course, Bill is the referral king, right? I was sure. talking about the, uh, how to become more referable. That's and, right. and I think one of the key ways to do that, and I think Bill would echo this or does echo this, is is that issue around quality and service. You've got to be, um, you've got to be worthy of the introduction. You have to be worthy of the referral, and that comes in the form of the quality of the work that you do, the quality of the service that you that you provide. To that end, I know one of the really interesting strategies that. I think was not necessarily intentional on your part, but that is happening for you is when you work with a client, 
um, especially in, in the world that we're in, right? We're in the B2B mm-hmm. space. We are a business sure. promoting or marketing our services to another business. And most of our clients, not all perhaps, but most of our clients are businesses who are also in the B2B space. That's right. And so I know that at least, uh, I think virtually with every client that you've worked with, they've at least asked you, hey, listen, I have a client that needs X, Y, and Z. Would you be able to help them with, with X, Y, and Z? And right. you're probably turning down as much of that work as you're able to accept. But uh, if there was ever an endorsement of the quality of your work or your service, it's it's when a client is trying to recommend you into one of their clients. Um, is that a process that you've strategically created or is it something that just sort of happens? And then secondarily to that, um, how do you approach that type of ask? Because I know a lot of consultants may get that ask and they may not, may not be work that they want to take or that they feel like they can take, but they don't want to uh, alienate their their client that is making the referral. So how do you right. sort of manage manage those opportunities when they arise? Well, I, t- I usually take it a case by case. Um, I- I've been fortunate in the referrals that I've, I've received from clients to other clients. Um, I've been able to help those clients um, and, you know, kind of one and done type okay. of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because they, you know, I'll use a perfect example. I have a client who referred me to another client who had high level um, FMLA questions. Okay. FMLA is a tricky business. For those of you who have to handle it, it's it's a tricky business. And, I, you know, I spent about an hour on the phone with them. I answered her questions. I gave her resources. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that problem was solved. But she knows she can call me back at any point in time. Uh, I've had several of those. And, and the good thing about those type of referrals are you just made your main client look good. Yeah, right. Okay. I mean, you know, you made them look good. You made them look knowledgeable because you know what? That That's them saying, I don't have all the marbles in my wheelhouse, but I, but I know someone who has that. Mm-hmm. And as a consultant, that's the best thing that you can offer. It's because it makes you flexible. It makes you, um, uh, it makes you appealing. It makes you um, a strategic partner to your main yeah. Yep. That's one of the things I think we've talked about this with a couple of our uh, we, we have some mutual clients that yes. we've worked with. Um, and I think we've had these conversations where we're trying to take that consultant, that advisor, that business owner, whoever it may be, and turn them into this gatekeeper of resources. Right. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those resources may be you or maybe me or maybe someone else that they also work with. But yeah, it, it is an opportunity to make your existing client look really good, mm-hmm. uh, even if it's just something as simple as a uh, as a phone call and and providing that level of insight and expertise to your client's client. So right. I think that's a I think it's an often overlooked um, and understated or or underutilized opportunity for for consultants out there is look to your existing clients as a center of influence or strategic partner in and of themselves. And for some of you, maybe you'll need to have formal conversations around that. But for others, you may be getting those types of asks. And That's so right. accept them and and make your make your client look good. And I you think. can grow it as much as you want to grow it. Um, you know, I had a, a client up in uh, Vermont um, that mm-hmm. I helped them. And, you know, during the course of our conversation with them, um, you know, I, I discovered, oh, they, they need help, right? They need yeah. real help. Um, and so I did a whole proposal for them. And, and before I did that proposal, I did a step-by-step. These are the things that you need. These are the things I think you're inadequate on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and 
they can choose to work with me or not work with me, but that doesn't negate what I gave them. They yeah. still need to do those things, right? It's kind of a checklist. Uh, you know, another thing that I do is if I have, I have clients all over the country. If I have a, a client in a, say a remote city, like mm-hmm. I have a client in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, which is not a, a bad place to have a client. Right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I want to be able to visit that client a couple of times a year. And, and the way to, to help monetize that for the client, find another client in that city. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm notorious for doing that. I'll find two or three clients in the same city. Um, and then I can go help them all at the same time. I can spend right. a week out there and then it's very conducive to the time spent. Right. For you and for them. Yeah. Them, they get the benefit of, of that economies of scale. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That's right. No, I think that's a great note. And, and related to that, you know, um, identifying clients or potential clients that you could meet with while you're there. Right. That's I'm right. hey, listen, uh, Mr. And Mrs. Business Owner, we don't know each other. I found you on LinkedIn. We connected or we've been, we've been in our each other's network for a while. Um, I, I am meeting with this client to help them on this project. I'd love to grab a coffee if you, you know, you can, Mm -hmm. you can actually prospect in the same way uh, as an opportunity. So let's move into, I want to learn more about or talk more about your practice and what you, the types of services and the types of value you bring. I know it's vast and it's vast because you have lots of areas of expertise in that, uh, in that realm of practice management, ops, HR, et cetera. And you've done all of these different things in different ways, in different industries, over the last many years. Um, maybe I'll ask this question because I'm not sure we've talked about it. So I'm just going to ask a question that Scott wants to know, and hopefully the listeners will get value out of it. Um, I will ask the general question. Um, tell us a little bit about what the nature of your work is. Like on a practical level, you might give us an example or two. But the question that Scott has for Faith is, what's your favorite thing to do? Like if, if oh. you could do the same thing over and over again, or you had to do the same thing over and over again, what type of, what type of work within that practice management ops and HR world would you, would you choose? Right. That, that's a great question. So I have clients, I have two types of clients. I have the client who wants me ongoing. Mm-hmm. And that means um, we've worked out an arrangement for X amount of hours per month. I have one client that, that takes 50 hours a month. Um, that's that's a, a nice size client. Yep. Um, I am their HR director. I'm their HR department. Um, I'm on the website. I'm on the stationery. I have my own email address. Even though I'm an independent consultant, yep. from, from the outside looking in, I am the HR director and, and no one knows any different from that. And I handle everything from start to finish. This particular mm-hmm. client has five companies, um, you know, over 30 employees and spread out through those companies. And I handle everything from hiring, onboarding, taxes, uh, payroll, everything from A to Z that you can imagine an HR department. I have two or three clients just like that. I am their HR department. I have the other clients that they prefer to use me more in operations. Um, And that has varied faces. So I have clients who are bogged down in operational responsibilities. you know, that might be setting up a new company. I need to set up a new company, Faith. I don't know where to start. Well, that's a that's a long list of yeah. things to do to set up a company. Um, and so I'll go in, I'll completely set up their company, and then I'll manage that company. I'll okay. set up bank accounts. I'll set up tax accounts. I'll set up, you know, bylaws and articles of incorporation. Um, everything that, that goes into setting up a new company. 
And then that it just grows from there. It's mm-hmm. those kind of high level tasks. Um, I have a client who, who was floundering a little bit on um, bringing a foundation of their company together. Um, and what I'm doing is I'm setting up a CRM. I'm setting up um, a ticket system. I'm setting up, um, you know, a, a more robust um, uh, communication system because the employees are scattered out. Uh, we, we are now embracing in the world post-COVID of employees working in several different states. Yeah. And so from an HR perspective, that adds an extra layer of complexity uh, with rules, regulations, um, and how you manage it all. Well, the same thing from operations. How do they talk to each other? How do they stay compliant? How do we make sure they're not uh, that we're cyber secure? There's a million varieties of, of operations that goes into it. And to your last question, what do I love the most? Probably the operations because it's something different every day. Yeah. I love having something different to do every day, um, different tasks to follow. The HR operations are are definitely uh, worthwhile. I love doing it, um, but it is very regulated, very yeah. re- repetitious. Um, you're going to do the same thing every time. So yeah. that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. Um, let's, if you don't mind, I want to kind of bend your brain and bend your ear on some some of your expertise and insight. Okay. Um, let, let's just start with kind of where where we have come from. So we're recording this, uh, fingers crossed, at the real tail end of a global pandemic, uh, at least here in the United States. Yes. Uh, certain parts of the country, certain parts of the world are still you know dealing with with real issues, but we're 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 moving through it. We're we're on the tail end of it again. Hopefully, um, there won't be anything significant in terms of variants or anything like that. What have you seen? over that time, and maybe a better way to ask the question is, what have you learned over that time uh, that, or what has changed over that time that is going to really impact how a small business, like like the consultants who are listening to this, independent consultants, um, small businesses relative, right? Some solopreneurs, some, you know, multi, multi-million dollar organizations, but still there's certain things probably that you've seen and experienced and learned or seen happen over COVID that are going to have going to have a permanent effect on the workplace, on the marketplace. Maybe just speak to that a little bit. Um, I will tell you that uh, flexibility is here to stay. And what I mean by that is um, I'll speak to it from two sides, from the employer side, mm-hmm. uh, which will be people's clients, consultants, clients. Right. Um, you know, they have to be able to be flexible. Um, do you have um, the technology in place? If it happens again tomorrow, can every single person work from their home effectively wow. and efficiently? Wow, yeah. I had companies who just never missed a beat. I had companies that struggled, mm. and I mean struggled. Um, and, and they never, they never, it never you know, evolved. Um, and so are your clients flexible? Are your clients um, um, able to adapt? Because I'm here to tell you people, we're hearing on the news every single night about every city in this country struggling to get workers to come back to work. Right. Yeah. The workers that are coming back are wanting flexibility. Mm-hmm. They're wanting you to be adaptive and they're wanting you to fit their needs, not their needs fit in yours. Yep. Um, it, it sounds a little um, selfish on the front end, but that's exactly where we've evolved to. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so employers are having to embrace change, true change. 
you know, things that you would not have tolerated five years ago. That is, that the is now. they're on the list now. They're absolutely on the list. So for you older um, uh, business owners, um, you have to adapt with that if you want a good workforce, yep. if you want a, a modern workforce. Um, and the other thing is, is speaking to the companies themselves, making sure that your foundation is secure, making sure that, uh, you know, we're living in um, a time where small and mid-sized businesses are being cyber attacked daily. The statistics are staggering. None of us are above it. Yeah. Um, making sure that you have technology. Don't ever think that you're so small and insignificant because that's not true. Making sure that you have the technology in place, you're going to have to spend a few bucks, but making sure that you have professionals who are looking out for your best interest in the technology world. Mm-hmm. Are your employees connected? Uh, not only through technology, but are they connected communication-wise because you now have a spread out um, uh, workforce? Many of the companies I work with are not going back to 100% in the office, at, yep. most, at most 50-50. So now you've got a different face of your workforce. Okay. So how do you communicate? How do you keep them engaged? How do you keep them um, uh, on the same page as you? Well, you've got to employ, you know, new techniques. Maybe that's um, Microsoft Teams. Maybe that's, um, you know, better integration of the technology you do have just to keep them all connected. So it's an opportunity for companies to kind of look within, take a good inventory, this is what I struggled with over the past year. These are the things I need to improve upon. And um, these are the things I did really well. Yeah. Um, small and mid-sized, mid-sized businesses do struggle from foundation issues. I call it uh, the cement pouring. Um, they never had an official cement pouring to, to form their foundation. And what I mean by that is, do you have the processes in place to run an effective business? Yep. Uh you know, that's a, it's like we planned this. We didn't. Uh, we didn't. But that, that last statement that you just said actually uh, leads, it's a perfect segue into my next question, which I want to talk about process development. Because um, I know for me, you know, my firm in the scheme of things is relatively young. Uh, the work I'm doing now is an echo of work that I did 10 or 12 years ago, obviously quite a bit updated. I've learned a lot in the last decade. Um, but conceptually, the value that I'm delivering to the people that I work with is the results are the same. How we go about getting the results is quite a bit different. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the things that I... Uh, Am, am still working on, frankly, uh, and finalizing within my business. And I guess it is an evolution, and maybe you can speak to that too, but is process development, is this, is this foundational infrastructure of what is my process for X? What is my process for Y? How am I going to handle paying myself or paying my contractors or paying my employees? How am I going to handle um, dealing with booking travel or what, you know, it could be something as simple as that sure. all the way to something much, much more complicated, like managing a, a 12 month um, multi-state project uh, that may, might be happening. So speak to a little bit to process development. And, and I guess the specific question would be when you go into, or when you're working with a business leader or business owner or a company and they're doing business but they don't really have those processes, those consistent processes standard, standardized or systematized, right. right? They have they have what they do because the person who's there doing it is, they're just doing what they do. And it 
they're whatever they do is the process that day, right? right. Um, how do you how how do you how do you reinvent that? How do you create standard operating procedures? How do you turn a random process into a system? How do you in terms of your mentality, how do you think about it? And then from a practical standpoint, what are the general steps that you have to walk a business through in terms of Mm -hmm. making their ops, you know, what they need to be? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, 90% of small to mid-sized businesses do not have uh, standard operating procedures. 90%? 90%. And um, it it is a, it is a good company. It doesn't look good company. I'm in good company. Okay. It's because you're spending your time growing your company and yeah. just just making ends meet, right? That's, right? that's that that kind of falls to the to the wayside. You, you're going to make sure you you get yourself paid. You're going to make sure the bills get paid, but but really you haven't developed any kind of process. Well, neither has business owners, and I say business owners outside of consulting, the people that we right. serve, right? Um, and you know, I always bring that up when I when I go through um, a SWOT analysis with a. Um, with a with a company and you know a SWOT analysis is where we go in and we we look at their strengths we look at their weaknesses we look at the opportunities and we look at their threats Mm -hmm. and then we devise a plan a game plan standard operating procedure scares people yeah and and let me tell you why it scares people it's overwhelming yeah it's so intimidating it's intimidating it's overwhelming I'm not going to lie to you it just is I mean, if you go and work for a Fortune 500 company, you've got books after books after books of standard operating procedures. Yeah. But this is not where um, we work. We work in a small to mid-sized uh, companies. And so when I bring this up to uh, business owners, they literally, they lose expression and turn a little white. It's because <laughs> where do I start? Yeah. And, it, and it's, you just got to start somewhere. And, you know, one of the questions that I ask when I go in, when I'm meeting with somebody for the first time, and, and Scott, you know, I know me very well. I'm a pretty direct speaker. Yeah. Now, I can I can make it very Southern and turn on the charm. But at the <laughs> end of the day, I'm pretty direct, you know, and um, I ask them, can you go on a two week cruise and not worry about your company and your company falling apart? Right. If they're honest. Right. 90% will tell me no. Yeah. I can't. I can't, I cannot go on a two week cruise and not call in and not get an emergency phone call. That's your sign that it isn't running smoothly. You got a problem. And, and, and that's not a criticism. Most every small to mid-sized business lives there. Yep. It's just okay? a reality that we want. It's to improve, just a reality. But... It's just a reality. I worked with a client a few years back and it took them eight years to write their SOPs. Eight years. And it's because nobody wanted to do it. Yeah. Until, until you're committed to it, until you put deadlines to it, and, and it doesn't have to be perfect. A lot of companies feel like they have to be these big, elaborate, yeah. written out process for it to be SOPs. That's not the case. You just start with something simple and you let it grow from there. And you get your employees' feedback. They're doing the work. You let them help you write those SOPs. Yeah. Okay. Because the other thing is in small businesses, there's usually only one person doing one job right? and it is rare that they're cross-trained. So you know what that means? When that one person leaves, you're dead in the water. You have a huge gap. Yeah. You've got a huge gap. You know, small teams should be cross-trained at least for the basics because their clients need to be taken care of. If, if I'm working with an insurance company and they have one customer service representative and that person leaves, the whole company hurts and yep. then their clients hurt. So you have to think, not necessarily now, but down the road, you know, how can I prevent, you know, the unexpected? 
you know, um, you know, you're about to experience this. Your administrative assistant's going out on maternity leave. Mm-hmm. You know, you really realize how important somebody is when they're not there for three or four months, right? Well, the last, just as a note, the last 10 days, I've been in anticipation of, of this coming Friday is, is, is their last day. Uh, and every time I copy her on an email now, I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> because, you. Right? Because I'm like, okay, someone's got to do that. Now, you, thanks to your help, right? We've talked about some stopgap measures and how to right. manage that. And I'm and I'm I'm confident and competent enough to we'll 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 be okay there, but at the same time, yes, you're right. You don't realize until the person is not around how dependent you've you've become on them and their skill and the process they complete. Assuming they're doing a good job, sure, uh, of course. Um, so yeah, no, I didn't mean to interrupt, but just <laughs> no, it, you're exactly oh, right. Yeah. And, and and you know, if, if business owners would just take a step back, and maybe it's um, one day a month. Okay. This one day a month, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to work on standard operating procedures. You know, don't look at it as the whole big block of cheese. Just yeah. look at it as a small shiver of that block of cheese. And we're going to focus on that. What I normally recommend is you make, you start with making a listing of your topics. Okay. okay? This is how we dot, dot, dot. This is how we dot, dot, dot. Make a, make a um, kind of an index, yeah. so to speak. And then you just check them off one at a time. You do one process a month. You know, yes, it's going to take you a year or a year and a half, but it will be done. You're going to be done. You'll be done. And then all you have to do is tweak it over time. And then you train. You make sure that the expectations for your team is the same. So if you have two people in the same position, they're doing it the same way every day. So if you have two customer service representatives, you want to make sure that their processes are the same and they're unilateral. I'll tell you an experience I have with one client. Um, they have several people in the same position. And then when we bring a new person on board, um, they all take turns training that person. Okay. Well, that poor new person has now learned five different ways of yep. doing the same thing. Now the end result is the same, but it's very confusing for a new person. Sure. So you want to make sure that, you know, across the board that your processes are, are not only being followed, but they're the best practices, you know. So meet with your team. Is your team giving you good feedback? Hey, Mr. Bossman, you know, we've tried it this way for a week. Can we do, can we modify this a little bit to do it this way? You agree, you change the SOP, and then you move on. Gotcha. Um, that's huge. And so for the consultants who are listening to this, right? The experts, thought leaders, speakers, authors, coaches, et cetera, who are listening to this podcast, the takeaway would be, and it's what I wrote down for myself, one day a month. Don't don't make it so hard that you're not going to do it, right? That's right. That's right. Uh, <clears throat> eat the cheese a bite at a time. Uh, one day a month, uh, get that topics, that that index created, prioritize it. And then just knock one thing down at a time. Don't try to feel like you have to do everything at once because it is intimidating. I mean, over the last 18 months of me growing this business, of course, there's certain processes that I had to knock out early, early on just to just to do business. Sure. But certain things I've just kept putting back on the back burner, back on the back burner, back on the back burner. Um, And um, I keep saying I'll get around to them, but I haven't <laughs> scheduled the one day a month to make sure I do. Occasionally, I'll knock something out here or there when I have time, but That's there's right. nothing intentional about it. And the other thing um, I'd love for you to speak to is what describe a business 
again, we're not going for perfection because there's no such thing, but we are going for practical improvement mm-hmm. of efficiency. Mm-hmm. Describe, and, and I can give you, you know, my experience working with you in, in, in my new firm as well as the previous company, but in, in your words, describe the difference that a good set of processes, SOPs, systems makes within an organization. Because I think a lot of times we think of it, uh, I know I do, and I suspect others who are listening to this think of this as well. It's one of those things that I know I, I should do and I know I need to do, but is it really costing me anything to not do it? I mean, I'm getting the work done, so it's not really costing me anything not to do it. But the reality is the opportunity cost of not having them in place, the time that the time suck, all the time that it's taking you, uh, all the effort, anxiety, stress. And then there's a true, truly a monetary and financial, sometimes a direct cost, if not an op- certainly an opportunity cost. Speak to, speak to the, the bliss that is having <laughs> uh, good processes in place, because I think that will help motivate me. I'm kind of being selfish here, Faith, uh, but help motivate me to make sure I'm taking this more seriously and focusing on it more urgently. You know, I compare it to making sure that you have your uh, your life in order. And what I mean by that is you and your wife have a will. You yeah. have you have some type of estate planning. You have um, life insurance in place. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's really the same thing. You're preparing for the inevitable. So, you know, as you grow your business, the busier you get, the less opportunity. There will never be enough time. There will never be enough time for you to um, create um, SOPs for your company or your clients' companies. If you're yep. working with clients like I do, you just simply have to take the time. Don't view it like a root canal. If you if you view it like a root canal, you will never do it. Yeah. Right? But if you view it as life insurance for your company, yeah, you look at it as you know this is part of my foundation. So l- let me give you an example. Um, when I worked in healthcare at, in my big practice here in Nashville. Every single person in my practice was cross-trained with someone else. Every it, I mandated it. It was just part of their onboarding. Um, it was part of their training. And, and it's because anything can happen. They can. There's car wrecks. There's death in the family. There's people leaving for another job. I mean, there are a million scenarios that can affect your business. You need a plan B at all times or you're going to be dead in the water. You do not want your company being uh, on hold while you go through the process of trying to find somebody. And I'm here to tell you, finding good people is a challenge. Well, now more than ever, right? Supply and demand is completely upset right now. Now more than ever. That's exactly right. And and so you want to make sure that the people you do have, that you're taking care of them, um, that you're listening to them, you're transparent but also giving them the tools that they need to do their job and the tools that they need is SOP. So in a small business, it's very hard when you bring on a new employee for another employee to take out hours out of their day to train that new employee. Mm-hmm. If you have a supplement, if you have a binder, if you have documents, this is how you, this is how you enter a new client. This is how you service this person. This is what you do. If, XYZ calls. If you step by step instructions, then they're you're taking alleviating the burden off that poor employee yep. because they're going to have a Bible, so to speak, that they can go to to for find the resources that they need or refer back to. 
You know, I I used to refer back to to manuals all the time. Even when I was in my practice, because something came up that I I haven't done in a long time. And then you need to refresh them every year. I I recommend to people doing it every January. In most businesses, January is the slowest month of the year. That's Mm -hmm. not always the case, but many cases. And then use that time to educate your employees, do in-services, but also refresh your SOPs. Don't let them get old and stale or outdated. Yep. You know, the other thing that occurs to me, and I think it's true for me, for myself, it's also true for my team. It'd be true for other consultants and their teams and then for their clients. Um, Good process development, SOPs, systems, et cetera, those step-by-step instructions, not only do they make the office it's it's like you said it's contingency it's like insurance for your business because stuff's going to come up but to that end it's also uh, a really important aspect of accountability for the team making sure that what needs to happen is actually what's happening right as opposed to what someone thinks needs to happen or what their opinion is of what needs to happen they may have a good idea but let's get it on paper and let's make sure Mm -hmm. like you said it's consistent it's it's truly standardized um Speak to, uh, we're, we're coming up on time and thank you so much for being generous with your time. Um, but a couple other quick questions. In terms of your experience, um, what would you say, uh, and, and think about it maybe in, in our world, right? The world of, mm-hmm. of the solopreneur or the small consulting firm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say to those firms in terms of things they need to be thinking about in the HR ops process development practice management world, things that maybe they would like me, maybe they would put those things off or not think about them or like, Oh, I'm too small for that. Or I don't need to worry about that. Maybe things that are common, you know, mistakes or challenges or myths uh, that you would say, no, 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 this is something that's often overlooked or, or a challenge or a threat. And you need to make, especially as a solopreneur or small firm, Mm -hmm. you need to make sure you address it. Just, Mm -hmm. I can think of it off the top of my head. Uh, most small companies, especially, um, overlook HR operations, um, and it will get you every single time. Um, you know, small businesses feel like, "Oh, I'll never be audited." Right. Ne- okay, I'll use us as an example. Yeah. We are. We were a small firm, and mm-hmm. we were audited by the Department of Labor. Yep. And if you recall. Uh, it was a lengthy experience, the things that you had to pull together. And luckily, I'm a little bit, um, I'm overly organized when it comes to things like that. So I was able to produce all the documents and we came through it fine. But I, I'm telling you, so many companies do not feel like that's important. Yeah, because like and you it, said, they think it's never going to happen. They just don't it's worry. It's never going to happen. It hasn't happened in 15 years. Why would it happen now? Your your day will come mm-hmm. and, uh, and you want to be prepared, you know, because let me tell you, your employee files, they will ask to look at them at some point in time. Are they in order? Are they compliant? Because once an employee is terminated, you can't reproduce those documents. Once they've left the business, whatever's in their file is in their file. So did you do it right the first time? Mm -hmm. The other thing I recommend to small businesses is many small businesses have a person doing payroll Mm-hmm. Um, I recommend using a company, a service, okay, a service. And, and it's because it will help you dollar wise. It actually saves you money. I know it doesn't sound like it would save you money because you're going to pay for that service, probably about 75 to $80 a month to have that service, but you're going to take the time off the person who's doing it 
who may not be as experienced in doing it as as they really should be. And that and that company, that service is going to take care of your taxes. You're, you know, it's going to take care of all the regulations. Um, so you're never late on things. I know as a business owner, that has to um, keep people up. Did this get paid? Did this get done? Um, you know, when you have a service, you never have to worry about because if you lose your payroll person, you know, for, what you, for whatever what reason, yeah. what do you do? Your, your other people are still dependent on getting paid. So, you know, there's never a lapse. You know, if, if I'm the HR director for three or four businesses, you know, if something happened to me, the business owner, you know, could call ADP and all of their people would be paid. Yeah. Okay. So th- th- there's redundancies. It's very important to have redundancies in small businesses, um, making sure that, you know, things still get handled on a daily basis. Um, so that's, that's one key area. Um, making sure that your, your finances are in order um, it, and you're going to laugh because uh, Scott knows how rigid I am when it comes to. Um, and I'm very thankful for that. <laughs> for, for finance stuff that, you know, money is an exact science, making sure that you're, you're reporting to the IRS in an effective manner. Because again, your day will come. It always especially, comes. Especially as we're recording this, there is a, uh, a love it or not, hate it or hate it or not. There is a push to, to greatly expand the IRS. They're doing it. They're and in it's process. Enfor- it's enforcement capabilities. So yes. it, it, if your day was going to come in, uh, you know, 800 days, now your day is going to come in 200 days. That, that's right. And, and, you know, the IRS never expects you to be perfect because we all make mistakes as businesses. We may have coded something that as a business expense that shouldn't have been. Yeah. But they are looking for integrity and honesty. Yeah, right. and, and, right. and, you know, I encourage small business owners you know, to make sure that, you know, they are up to speed, partner with your accountant, make sure that you've got a good accountant who's looking out for your best interest, uh, making sure the person who is handling your internal finance, that they're transparent. You know, that's one of the things that I'm, I'm really big on. I know I know I expressed that when I we work together. Mm-hmm. I want to be transparent. This is what I've done. Right. Um, you know, this is this is how I prepared our financials. Um, and that way it just keeps you out of trouble, um, trouble long term. That's good. That's good. Faith, as we wrap up, uh, there's a question that I ask every guest, and I think it's one of them. Well, I think it's a pretty impactful question, and I'm fascinated to get to get your responses. I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, uh, but just just your your best answers in the moment is perfect. All right. Um, Over your career, you've worked with a lot of different people, a lot of different businesses. You now have your own business uh, doing a variety of different things. Biggest lessons learned that might be beneficial to our listeners or watchers, right? It could be one, two, three things. Could be personal, could be professional. There's no there's no restrictions or limitations. I'm not trying to narrow you into any mm-hmm. particular area. Just what would you say in your experience, um, doing what you do as a consultant and playing that role, uh, your biggest lessons learned? I would say the biggest lessons learned is first and foremost, be true to yourself. Be honest with, you know, the older you get, the more um, in tune you are to what's important to you. Not only what's important to you, you know what your strengths are. I can give you a list of my strengths. I can give you a list of my weaknesses and then play to your strengths. Yeah. You know, um, you know, focus on finding your clients based on your strengths. Do not work with clients that you do not love. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm not talking about challenging clients. We all have them. Okay. Um, those challenging clients will, will help you. 
um, become more tolerant and, and, and help you grow. But I'm talking about the ones who are just simply not on the same page as you. Yeah. And you will know really quickly if they are not on the same page. Sure. If they're working against you at every turn, they're not on the same page. And if you're not on the same page, you need to gracefully you know, bow out and move on because you want to focus your energies with clients who who are excited to have you, who are excited for you to work with them, who are excited to have your help. Um, and, and then focus on what your what your not only what your strengths are, but don't get out of your depth. There's mm-hmm. nothing worse than, you know, oh, I can do that. And you're sitting here Googling how to do well, it, right? This is especially true for consultants, right? Because the classic answer is, Mr. and Mrs. Consultant, can can you do this? Yes. Yes, yes I, I can, can do right? it. It's the knee-jerk answer. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. But but speak to what you're saying because I think it's 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 profound. It was profound for me, um, you know, maybe about 24 months ago. And I think it'll be profound to other folks. That's yeah, I mean, I mean, we do, I mean, know what your limits are. I mean, um, you, you know, it's kind of like, Hey, could you go work in the operating room? Yes, sir. I can go work in the operating room. That's a scary thought, right? So uh, I'm using that. It's a very broad, uh, yeah, funny, so to speak. But but for those of you who are consulting, you know, especially when you're newer and you're really wanting to build up your clients, it's very easy to say, "Yes, I can do it." Mm-hmm. But you're going to be judged by that end product. Talking about are referability you- again. That's right. It goes back. It you know you could be shooting yourself in the foot. So making sure that you are aligned with your strengths, making sure not only do you love what you do, uh, but you're good at what you do. But also, do you make a difference? Uh, if people ask me all the time, what what drives you and and what you do? It's the same answer I would have given twenty or thirty years ago. I have to feel like I made a difference. Mm-hmm. When I work with uh, medical practices over the years, you know, I have to feel like I made a difference. If I didn't, I had to leave. Yep. It's the same thing now. I have to feel like I make a difference, you know, and you know, internally, if you make a difference for your clients. Absolutely. Yep. Well, uh, that's a perfect segue because I can tell you uh, that in terms of this podcast, you have made a difference. Um, I have a Thank page you. full of notes. I hope everybody out there was, jotting down uh, things as fast as they could uh, in terms of Faith's great insights and knowledge. And Faith, uh, also, I just got to say thank you again for being on, but thank you My for pleasure. Your, your friendship and your professional uh, your professional work that we've done together. Uh, it's truly made a difference in my life and my business, so thank you. You're uh, most welcome. If someone wants to learn more about Faith Lester and Faith Forward Consulting, uh, how can they find you? How can they be in touch? Uh, my email address is uh, it's jflfaithforwardconsulting at gmail.com. Perfect. jflfaithforwardconsulting at gmail.com. Yes, sir. That's the best way to get a hold of you. Okay. Perfect. That's excellent. Well, thank you so much again for being on today. I really, really appreciate it. And we'll have my to pleasure. do, we'll have to do an, another one sometime. Oh, absolutely. Count me in. All right. Thanks, Faith. Have a good one. Thanks. You as Every, well. Uh, great. Everybody, thanks for joining us. Until next time, I wish you the best of success. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening. I hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. And before we go, I want to thank the sponsor of our show, Smart Solutions Media. Smart Solutions Media empowers business owners, consultants, and other independent professionals to easily attract better prospects and transform them into long-term clients. If you're a B2B consultant or service professional and would like to start filling your pipeline with better quality prospects, 
Visit us on the web at smartsolutionsmedia.com to learn more about what we can do to help you. Be sure to complete this short two-minute accelerated growth scorecard you can find on the website, and you'll receive a complimentary strategy session where we'll give you specific insights and recommendations to help you attract high-value clients. Until next time, make sure you are consulting with authority.